Hi everyone! Welcome back to another season of Kasama Hanko. Uh, it's been a really great time just being um, still and slow and steady. I know that we have we haven't been releasing any episode this past year um, because I've been busy um, with children's book. Um, it's been a really huge pleasure for me to really um, share um, one of my biggest projects that I worked on last year. And now that it's kind of like settling a little bit and finding time to ground myself, um, I'm coming back to doing what I love the most, which is talking story with folks within the community. And let's just get into it. Um, if you're interested with the book, let me know. Um, you can always message me on Instagram and I'll be gladly to have it um, there in your library, in your school, and just to have a gift. But today I have a really special guest. Um, I was I was able to actually meet this um, special guest uh, when I was visiting Hilo um, last year when I was invited by Manang Jenny Batalones for the um, Barrio Fiesta at UH Hilo and just so happened um, we were um, able to really have a brief conversation and honestly I really I'm, I'm like really admire what this person does within his community um, his story because he actually is not from Hawaii but he's from Seattle and he has a lot to share. And without further said and do, um, I want this special guest to give a little short intro on who they are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for introducing me and considering <laughs> me for this. Aloha, mabuhai. Uh, my name is Jonah Kanap. I am uh, tuning in from Hilo, Hawaii. Um, Chachi is right. I am originally from Seattle. I was grew up in Seattle, Washington. Um, my mother is of Philippine ancestry with her parents being from Manila and Dumaguete. And my dad is Pote. He's um, from, of Wisconsin, Dutch, Czech ancestry. So I am halo halo, but um, moved to Hilo right at the tail ends of the pandemic and have really been so honored and incredibly grateful to call it home. It's it's really amazing to um, hear and in the perspective of um, what it's like living in Hilo specifically after um, moving from Seattle, which is still which still has a Filipino population, but what made you choose Hilo specifically? Um, <laughs> it kind of interesting. So yeah, I was living in Seattle during the pandemic and I had a cousin that had moved out here for the astronomy program in Hilo. And I had told him he was my, he's my best friend growing up, like my brother, but we're third cousins on my mom's side, but very, very close family. And I told him I'd come out here to visit him. And when I did, I, it really felt like the air in my lungs had matched the air in my environment that I had truly felt at peace and at home. And at that same time in Seattle, I was really grappling really toughly with um, being part of the BIPOC community and dealing with all the stuff that was centered around Black Lives Matter within the riots that were happening in downtown. And I mean, I was still on the side of, and being in the medical field as well, where I was working at Harborview Medical Center, shout out to all the frontliners from the pandemic and on. Um, but it was really grappling with the idea of being seen as a frontline hero, but then also being shot at in my own city for trying to stand up for what was right. And so then coming to Hilo and then realizing I, especially as someone of mixed race and mixed heritage, that I can exist in an area where my physical appearance doesn't create a stigma around where I'm surrounded, that I don't have to consider, I don't have to be stuck in 
this uh, mindset of how do I look or how do I pass off as more, I don't have to struggle with my identity too much. I can actually just live with my own identity. I can live comfortably, which Hilo, Hilo in Hawaii in general has just really been such a home and very welcoming and helped me so much understand really truly that aspect of my own identity and I'll be, I'll be forever grateful and not to say not to crash on the uh seattle filipino population you guys are they're always still home they're the ones that raised me they're the ones that i see as like a really strong and definitely some of the most prideful filipinos prideful filipinos you will ever meet will be on the west coast specifically seattle and it's, there's this huge wave coming between food, culture, fashion, and it's, it's there. It's definitely there. I really liked how you brought up the fact that, um, like just being able to be in a place where you feel that you belong and you're not, you're not stigmatized just because of what you look like. Um, because especially when you're in the continent in the mainland, it's like very much how I say, uh, very black and white. We're in here yeah. in Hawaii, it's very much diverse where like there's all kind of different race and you kind of like have this more understanding of like who each, each and everyone is. Like you can really see them eye to eye. Like it's easier. Completely agree. And it's, to say something where it, it's able to live here, where it's there still is this taking pride in one's culture, but then to not have that be such a defining thing of who your character is. Like I learned moving here that my identity doesn't just have to be as a, I don't identify completely as just Filipino or just mixed. I can identify as I, hospital worker as a surfer as a musician like those can exude freely without having to wear I, I don't have to wear the flag on my chest to identify I can just be I can breathe breathe which is and so important and yeah I mean for for to give it an example for how perspectives kind of change when I moved was that I I was asked this question back in Washington where someone asked me, they're like, if you were a sandwich, describe yourself as that sandwich. And when I describe this, I th my immediate thought is like, oh, it's the bun is pandasal because I'm Filipino. And the person asked me, they said, no, like the bread shouldn't be a race. What are you composed of aside from your race? And I'm like, my cultural identity is such a huge part of me though. How come, sorry, the dogs are barking. <laughs> um, my cultural identity is so, such a huge part of me is so ingrained into where now I live here, it still is something that drives me and moves me, but it doesn't have to be all of me. It doesn't have to control me. It doesn't have to dictate who exactly I am. And yes, there's still aspects of the culture where, I mean, I'm, I work in the medical field, how important that is for our people or to be a musician, to be a performer. I mean, I have a Wallis on my wall. There's still <laughs> different aspects where all those parts are very, very, important to me but it doesn't have to define me you know I, I all right there's a lot of dogs there. <laughs> they're totally fine i think that's also it, it also defines like our conversation a little bit um like um I, we can get more deeper into this but i think you said something that i that really stuck out stood out to me which is um the question that you were asked of like what kind of sandwich um, you would kind of compose yourself in and the fact that he said you don't have to label yourself as this or that but you just living or you just being um, makes you who you are and I feel like that's what gets left out um, when we're talking about it within the diaspora it's just like we're so um, obsessed with thinking of like, oh, I need to be this representation of this and that. Like, it's literally, and just from my understanding from what you just shared, it's just like, it's really live, living who you are, like who your ancestor uh, told you to be. Like our, your, our ancestors didn't say, oh, you're Filipino. They didn't just say that. They just said, you're a living, breathing human. Like you are, you are literally like, who you are meant to be, like whatever you feel comfortable. 
in your own skin, even if it means being uncomfortable. <laughs> Completely agree. And yeah, I mean, we could get deep into this. I mean, even coming from um, mixed race background, com coming from being Chisoy, being Halo Halo, being this mix mix, um, it's as you said, like our ancestors guide us. And that's such a huge, important aspect for both cultures. I mean, for most all of us in the Pacific, we so strongly hold that dear to us and how much they can guide us. And it's saying something, my great grandmother on my mom's side. So Abolola, she told my mom, because all of me and my cousins were all mixed. Um, she kept saying, she's like, strengthen, strengthen the gene, strengthen us. And it's just within mixing, within being it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be one thing. Like as much as the islands, we're all mixed. We're all, each island mixes with another. Like we all create a Filipino people, but we can still trace our roots back to being Visaya, Nilagano, Warai. Like you can trace it to that, but we still are all mixed into one thing. And throughout that time, I mean, there's an Olelo Noyal that I learned a while back. I'm not going to try and pronounce it or say it if it's Olelo, but- You can, you can type it, it later. <laughs> It basically is that like you are the culmination of thousands of years of survivors. You are the culmination of warriors, essentially, that are just generations and generations of people that guide you to be who you're supposed to be in the end. But those are the things that strengthen you. The identity, those are the people that strengthen you. Your identity doesn't have to fall strictly to them and where they came from specifically, but they still guide you in the direction you're supposed to be. If it, if it makes it, like I said, I feel like we could ramble and talk about this one for hours. <laughs> we can, we definitely can. And I, the reason why I started with that question is because, um, what I'm going to go, what I'm going to transition next is, um, if it's going with this podcast, um, and talking about our ancestors, who, who in like trying to center ourselves now um who are you bringing in this space um sh in sharing your story um which ancestors either past present um that will be help that will be guiding you as you'll be sharing your story to us today oh really hitting hard with the questions oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, i can't choose favorites my god um, but it definitely, I mean, a lot of my ancestors on my mom's side from my Filipino side really do guide me and have, I can feel them in different environments, speak to me through wind, through water, through, through the earth. Um, my Lola would be one very specifically. She actually had passed, uh, months before I had moved to Hawaii and she knew about my, she knew about my choices and she was in full support. But she had passed, and she was a very strong immigrant woman, um, born in Bohol, uh, raised in Manila during the war. Um, she immigrated with my Lolo in the 60s, and basically was, hey, her dream was to be a very supportive wife, and should just to show her children love. And I think she really supported in that sense of, she showed us that it's, you hold, you hold very close to your chest, your heritage, that it's like, okay, in ways you still have to adapt to your environment to, to survive, but you still have to hold all these aspects of your heritage to you to, to honor the people that came before you, essentially. And she did, I mean, it came with food. Um, they immigrated to the Midwest, so she, um, they immigrated to the Midwest, so she adapted certain recipes to Midwest culture. Like she was cooking lumpia with green beans in it. Um, <laughs> like she was making she was trying to do the best with what she had and it definitely with the way that me and my cousins were all brought up especially with her being present in our lives is that it you're supposed to hold on to those things in whatever way of spirituality possible whether it, it starts with the gut it starts with the food it leads to dancing it leads to singing it leads to all aspects of our culture that fashion that just let us shine and the more you take pride in that or not just pride but the more you hold that to you the more people will appreciate you for that more and more people it will just shine on eventually and she really showed that to us and if anything inspires because 
inspires to me one day when I become an ancestor, like what the legacy I have to lead on to provide for my descendants. So I channel her for I channel her for this as well as a lot of the ones who came, a lot of the ones who came before her, my to my Visayan ancestry, to um, the ones that we're still trying to figure out the ancestry for, <laughs> as well. But yeah. And may your Lola um, continue resting peace. And I feel like right now she is really proud of what you're doing, especially for the community. Um, and whatever your journey is going to continue, going to continue uh, today. <laughs> and with that said, um, what title would you call this season of your life right now? This season? Ooh, you really are hitting with the hard, hard questions. I forgot to study <laughs> this season of my life. This this chapter. This chapter. This chapter. Um. That's as difficult as you can say. This season really, at least just for this changing of with the changing of the year, and where kind of just my life is right now. It's really important to me that I really want to be rooted and i want to like i said earlier i really want to start creating that legacy for future generations for people that for my descendants for i want to start creating that the stories that i'll be telling them when they're when they're grown kind of thing and i think that's a point of just being rooted but <laughs> there you go much like the banyan tree how the roots fall from the vines rooting myself from from being at this cloud nine high of moving here and basically creating roots here transition in life because it's been almost two and a half years three and a half since you're yeah, I'm going i'm just made just going on three yeah in your three and a half years being here yeah. in Hawaii, um, and I, I'm so curious to asking this question, but um, in identity and culture and also the land, um, how would you say is your relationship with the land that you stand? Oh, um, it's definitely one more I've learned, like, especially from coming from a mainland perspective of like seeing the land is still something that is of beauty, but only just seeing it. But then here you can, it, it's, you feel it, you smell it, you, you understand it for its entirety because you are part of it. But knowing that time here is you, you are a guest in, in all things that you are a guest and you have to be respectful for this environment that is taking care of you and that how important it is to have, make that connection. You know that it's that it is a living being that I mean is definitely people view it as such an opposing force, but in turn, it's no, it's just part of us. It's part of us, and we just have to show our gratitude to it and everything that it has basically done for us. It created us. I only ask this question because, um, and it's been recently in the oncoming years of my reflection as well, is that when it comes to us um, as Filipinos who are becoming the majority here in Hawaii, um, or to say that the actual Native people are becoming the minorities, how are you giving back um, the space so that we're not taking up too much space? Oh. Definitely creating space for indigenous and marginalized voices, for one, just trying to create that story. As I work at Kilo Medical Center, just, just down the block here from Komana on Wainuinui Avenue. Um, but creating that aspect where people's voices are still seen that in no matter what narrative, whether it be trusting in the medical system or 
mistrusting of the medical system, still hearing those perspectives out and making sure that no vo voice is silenced, especially ones that are, have become a minority. I mean, like coming from a place where still was the minority in a place, but being able to be silenced by a majority is just something, is a feeling no person should ever have to live through. So that's one thing I feel, I can think of off the top of my head is just create, leaving space and for voices that needed to be heard, that need to be heard, as well as taking care of the land and being respectful to customs, um, traditions, and cultural practices that occur all over this island, all over all this whole island nation. Uh, keeping that thought in mind, um, as a as a visitor, as a guest in this land. What are some advice that you would give someone who are visiting Hawaii, um, especially coming from the lens of like, I was once, I, I was once someone, a visitor, but now I'm living on this island. Um, it's kind of the idea of take your shoes off before going into someone's house. It is leave your baggage, leave everything that you're taking with you and you're walking with you outside. Leave it where you were coming in from, like leave it there. You're here, your perspective has to be, you are a guest, you're just supposed to be polite. I know not a lot of people are raised with that mentality, but it, I mean, it goes down to such the simplest symbol of take your shoes off before entering a house. Don't track dirt in, don't track, don't bring all these things that this culture has been trying to shake away for decades upon centuries, like just, it's one of those things. I think I filled it out in the form before this podcast was, um, not everybody who speaks listens. And when you're talking, you can't really listen too well. So in that sense, just be calm and be humble in your own, in new settings. You'll learn, they'll take care, it will provide. The environment and the community will provide for you, but if you let it and make sure you're not abusing it or taking advantage of it for that matter, don't track your dirt in. I, I honestly love that. Um, and I think that's something that I feel like not a lot of people think about, I feel like if you're not Asian, if you didn't grow up Asian, you, or Asian or Pacific Islander, you never kind of grew up with this culture of like, oh, we have to take our shoes off. Like a lot of the times, foreigners, majority, they just walk in. They never, they don't take the time to like, use like, they don't even like think of like, oh, shoots, I'm tracking dirt or like, yeah, that. they don't like... think don't think twice oh it was so weird growing up i remember going over to people's houses and they'd have their shoes up on furniture and that one weirds me out to this day i don't understand it like moving here and seeing that this was the norm of take your shoes off before entering i think it's the weirdest thing it's like oh your mom's so your mom's not gonna get mad that you just put your nike dunks on the side of the bed she's like no no it's just we'll clean the sheets i'm like yo your dirt's in the bed you stepped in tie. Like, what the heck? <laughs> Sorry for the... For, pardon my French. Pardon, pardon my Tagalog. <laughs> this, is, this is part of the story. It's part of, like, just being who you are. Um, mm -hmm. Just coming all out in. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does play a huge role. Um, and I feel like that's something that are learning as we continue with our journeys um mm -hmm. especially being here in hawaii and seeing things in a different way mm -hmm. um i do want to ask and i feel like it will be a follow-up question is moving from seattle to hawaii and knowing that seattle in the west coast there is a lot of filipinos who are really like pride with their Filipino heritage or identity and here in Hawaii it's kind of like oh yeah I'm Filipino but it's not really as talk about like oh it's just they try to identify more with their localness um how was that like for you um coming to this kind of like well from like well yeah from Filipino like yeah representation like this and that and then coming to Hawaii like 
Yeah, I'm Filipino, but. <laughs> uh, it that it's a very that's a very lauded one because it's definitely something that it took me. It wasn't about until this path until 2023 where I really started to grasp the idea of it, um, or really started to feel more comfortable into where I rep where I felt like I could represent and where I felt I could be. Because um, yeah, Seattle is very much prideful Filipinos, but we understand the that. Oh, is it? It's getting cold. Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, it's the oh, wind, it's the wind. Up. It's the ancestors. I know. <laughs> they, they know. They know it's a triggering topic. Um, but no, like Seattle being very prideful and understanding the diaspora that surrounds Filipino identity. Like you can be Filipinos that are in the medical field and still very prideful to the ones that came from, um, that came from, the Philippines, the immigrants that know the generations, or you can be third generation Filipino and still prideful in your food culture and all aspects of us. Like it was really quite like it understood the diaspora. Whereas when I moved here, it's there, but it's not loud because I think like you said, more people try to fall into the, I want to be, I'm Hawaiian. Like it's the analogy I use with my friends or when I'm talking to like other Filipinos in the community that don't quite identify, I'm like, so are you And it? And I don't, to, to preface, I'm not trying to compartmentalize. It's just more for understanding for perspective is, do you say banana lumpia or turon? Because to, to those of us who grew up in the Filipino community or grew up with very prominent Filipino roots, you know, it's turon. But then here, I like heard so many Filipinos call it banana lumpia. And I'm like, Kuya, that's so many syllables. Why, why not Turon too? Like, it's a lot easier to say banana lumpia. Like seven? That's so many. That's five more syllables. You could say it so much easier, but they're like, they knew it no other way. And it was such a throw off to me. But then I thought about it and I'm like, because Hawaii is also such a mix of culture and... Filipino culture is already such a mix of culture to comprehend all of it. It's, it's overwhelming. It really is a lot. And that's why it takes so long to comprehend. And then to talk to even just my friends that are Filipino out here, they take such pride in their Filipino aspect that they don't take pride in their Hawaiian aspect, unless it is put to the spotlight or it's unless it's brought to the forefront. And it, yeah, it definitely was a big change. But now I feel like I can see more where it's like, still stay strong in your roots, still stay strong in being who your ancestors have created, but then showing, showing and sharing story from a, and sharing perspective is so important in that sense and being open to it as well. Being open to the idea that it's like, okay, it's not just called banana lumpia, it's called Turon or to understand like the one, another thing like that threw me off just to go on a quick side note was working in the hospital system and seeing firefighters and medical professionals, doctors who are mixed Filipino heritage that have it somewhere in the mix that it's somewhere down the line to hear them say things like, Oh, I think she speaks Tagalog. And I'm like, no one speaks Tagalog. <laughs> I'm, there's an A in there. Don't forget it. Like, <laughs> Just to see those aspects where it's like, Oh, you're so, there's so much going on that you don't quite understand the tiny aspects that come from it. And then being of mixed race background, my parents always took it as, Hey, embrace every part of you, not just the ones that show like my sister is a lot more fair skin than I am and taller. And I definitely took more of the Filipino genes, but we both grew up knowing our Czech heritage, our Dutch heritage, our native heritage, and seeing those aspects throughout. Like we, I think we're like some of the only Filipinos in our community that ate sauerkraut. Like, definitely have that aspect of the mixing, but still knowing and appreciating the roots that they come from, you know, in a nutshell. So the, the big, the perspective change from moving here was definitely overwhelming, but it was nice to finally get into that point where it just is a matter of share story. I think you... Well, you covered it. You shared a lot, and I feel like it's <laughs> sorry. You can stop me at any time. 
<laughs> no, like I'm, I'm slowly like processing. But like you shared a lot in a sense of like, um, a lot of people within my experience would all similar, but in a different light. But I feel like within your experience yourself, and I only ask this question because um, being someone who came here at like um, the age of eight. 2020 yeah i mean in anything that too I, i'm definitely levels of culture shock moving here and seeing similarities so i um little another background tidbit is i lived in tacloban for a while uh helping out with the aftermath of typhoon haiyan in oh. 2014. um i really i mean when you were saying like going from philippines to the continent to hawaii it is so many different perspectives, but then acknowledging that the people who exist in there and still are there are people, there are Kasama, there are family, there Kapamilia. Like we have to embrace the fact that it's like, okay, we share something in common. We're not, we're not too different, you know? We're not too different in that sense, even though there are these huge differences, banana lumpia thron, um, <laughs> takes shoes off, doesn't take shoes off. Filipinos who say Pinoy pride and Filipinos who are just like, I'm Filipino. Like, eh? Like they just don't like throw it off. And to have all those perspectives, I think it was really the biggest culture shock I got here was understanding that, oh, there are, it goes beyond just the continent perspective that I was thinking of. It goes beyond that. There's a double diaspora perspective that comes from living here that is yeah definitely something else and I, I keep using the word diaspora for all of your listeners it's a culmination of um multicultural values and everything like it's a it's a mixing talk it, it's a mixed plate essentially within perspective and culture it's the it's the gray air it's the 50 shades of gray areas between black and white that's thank you for explaining and i feel like um because for me i grew up I was born and raised in the homeland, but I came here in Hawaii specifically um, in in like my seven or eight. So growing up in diaspora, but even though I go back to the homeland just to visit, I feel like I lose a sense of I lose that culture because it's like I was born in the Philippines and then I came here as an immigrant. But then when I go back home, it it feels like it's a whole a whole different a whole different culture. Like I don't like I don't relate to that anymore. And then when I come back here in the diaspora, it feels like oh I don't relate. Like I feel like I'm always in between. And I I I under I under I learned to embrace being in between because there's just a lot of like funness of like the curiosity behind. <laughs> oh, totally that's it's a great i mean i think that's something that all multicultural households and people grow up with is the i don't fit in here i'm like i used to joke back in washington when i lived in seattle washington i used to joke that i was um because my dad's czech and dutch he's very european looking yeah. um i used to joke that it's like i am white but i'm white without the privilege like i still get pulled over i still get shady looks when i was with my girlfriend like i still i still have people still think i just speak spanish or i don't speak english like it i still got a lot of that but it's like in turn hey i'm white how come i still don't count and then i move here and i try to tell people i'm filipino and they're like where you're just hawaiian you kanaka and i'm like i'm not i'm not at all actually there's not a drop in there there probably is some very far back but finding that and a friend of mine really broke it down well for me where he's also of mixed race ancestry and he said he's like the worst part about it is that people consider you half or you just part of something and never both why not all things not like the plate 
it's a it's like when it's an interesting way of compartmentalizing our identity and basically calling it a katsu plate as opposed to katsu rice mac salad like it's it's multiple things in the plate but why are we talking about the one thing in the plate like it's just <laughs> that's a really good analogy honestly i feel like when it comes to um our identity and culture the easiest way to explain it is through food and i feel like that's what kind of connect oh yeah well there's that huge aspect of i brought this up earlier with my lola like there's a huge aspect of filipino spirituality where it's we lead ourselves from our gut we we can tap into all of our ancestors through our gut it's through what we eat it's what empowers us it's what strengthens us and i mean it's the one thing that you want to talk about diaspora filipinos we've been the best at for centuries are going all the way back to our ancient ancestors to even just prominent people to trade to our austronesian ancestors that it's like we take we take and we turn it into something that's a little bit more us look at kare kare look at uh lumpia look at pancit like look at all sinigan look at it's all soup like it's we took something someone brought it to us and we said okay let's see how we can make it our own and that's in turn kind of brings the whole topic around it's in those situations it's not hey i'm part of this i'm part 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 I am both. I exist in all. I can exist within each one. <laughs> you are what you eat, essentially. I, there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> That's a chapter right there. That's a, oh, I, I want a writing credit if you do the book. <laughs> Which also applause to... to you for those. Like I've seen, a, I've, Keep seeing your posts on your books and everything that you're writing. I think that is a huge aspect of like definitely leading with your cultural upbringing and lead and just also adding perspective to Hawaii, like to have that where it's not just, hey, you speak Tagalog. No, it's Ilocano is a language. Like there's other languages too. And also like, I would have loved that growing up, something to see something like that growing up. Cause my mom, my mom was raised in the Midwest. She didn't speak, she, the only, Tagalog or Bisaya she knew was from her parents like sneaking words in and it wasn't until like this last trip I took to the Philippines that I like knew my mom understood more but she just didn't speak enough and it was it was strange so I'm actually like I'm self-taught I went back to the Philippines I lived there I learned Warai then I, from Warai went to Bisaya from Bisaya went to Tagalog I'm not fluent I just know a good select amount of phrases to get me by and to like help me in my help me on my journeys essentially but to see like those books and to see like, heck, I want to break, I want to buy one for my future kids and just be like, hey, let's, let's start. Let's get you, so you I want to give you the tools so you can be way more advanced than I was. We're, we're regrowing those roots. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Let, let's kind of roll back in. Like, oh, um, we need more um, Messiah books out there. Honestly, I feel like that's been the, that's been the demand these mm -hmm. days. Um, and like, if, okay, I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mark this clip because I don't, I don't know if I'll add it to the podcast, but, um, if you are ever interested, I am working on a project of trying to do Visayan children's books. So if you wanna. Oh. Yeah, no, totally. I know a few people in town that actually would also enjoy doing that, whatever. I mean, just like within little customs and traditions that are so pertinent to Visayan culture that I feel like need to be shared, especially like in our area and in our in in Hawaii, being that there's not a strong there there is a Visayan population. We just need a little bit more light. Oh, am I there? Hello. You're there, you're there, you're there. Really? You froze. Yes. Oh, no. But that's fine, because I don't know if I will add this to the podcast, but it was just like a side thought before I forget. But no yes, definitely. And I think when I came there in Hilo, there is a huge Visayan uh, population in mm -hmm. Hilo. Yes. So that's like one of my uh, one of my next project is uh, Aside from Ilocano, I really want to continue bringing up the different languages. So my next one would be Visayan and then Pangasinan. I'm just trying Ooh. to really, to bring back, like kind of make the languages alive, right? Allowing people to be like, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm Visayan, I'm Pangasinan. Um, I want to 
I wanna make I wanna bring forth my language to my future kids like what you just said. So No, and it's yes. such it's such a blessing and it's such a gift. I think that's such the important thing for like our generation of Pinoy Pinay, like just to for us, our generation is to is in this age of information. And I think it's so important that we really hold that information and we just make sure that it's it's passed down, that it's that it's that we're relevant, that all those things that were fought for, that were just persevered for for generations between the war, between the Sakata movement, between uh, workers union, um, through every like turmoil from our cultural upbringing, that now we're at the point of like, hey, we have to make sure the information is there and that it is visible. Okay. Before I get another sidetrack, focusing all back on Sorry. you, because you did really share a lot. Um, oh, where should I go next? Um, look, um, looking back at your story and what you shared so far, I do want to acknowledge that um, you did mention that you live back in the Philippines um, for a, a, some a period of amount of time. Um, and with your organizing background, um, for you, per se, how do you understand your your own culture and identity? And what are parts of your culture that you are still fascinated by? It's two parts, so you can take some time to think about it, but mm -hmm. whatever comes or whatever flows through. So like, so I'm just so I'm understanding, um, like where, what do what is my like biggest takeaway from like Filipino culture from going back? Yes, and what are you still fascinated by your own culture? And then you can oh, also tie into your mix, your mix, your mix yeah. I mean, okay. So going back on like again, I'm very very grateful for my my parents being this, being the being of mixed background, being halo halo and taking being team halo halo, um, but having my parents made sure that we traveled a lot. My sister and I, we, um, we've been to the Netherlands, we've been to the Czech Republic and we went to the Philippines a lot. Um, and I remember coming home for the first time, I was 12 years old and coming back from the Philippines and meeting other Filipinos and being like, Hey, this isn't quite the aspect of our culture. Like we're not as so prideful of the flag over there. We're more about like the brand or like just, uh, Jersey, Jersey and, and Chinela. Like we're not as, it's not as flashy for that, but there still is a pride. But I think the biggest takeaway that I got from going back to the Philippines, and I try to go back every two years or so um, within with uh, medical missions, organizations, or just to see family, um, is that <laughs> it's a it's a flame like Filipino culture is a flame that you can't put out that no matter what turmoil or whatever. Um, trial and tribulation the world throws at us we we are still burning bright that whether it's a typhoon whether it is a disease whether it is um just even thousands of years of colonization that it's you still stand strong and you sing you still stand strong you we, we dance because we, we still have all 10 fingers and toes even if you had nine you'd still be dancing and I think that's just one of the biggest takeaways I can think of for our culture is just that we're <laughs> we're very optimistic people, and it's it's honestly the best thing. Hey, lead with a smile. I mean, there's different aspects, and I've explored this a lot. Like this was definitely a chapter of my life during the pandemic where I explored the aspects of like the phrase "bahalana sabohemo," like hearing that from certain people. And I know a lot of like the elders feel it as like a very just like laissez-faire, oh you're just being lazy kind of phrase, but seeing to its core that it's also just it, what may come what may come it's to god's will it's to leave it to the horizon things will work out eventually it's just this is something that we have to deal with now kind of thing it's a very persevere we're very persevering people and it's an aspect of our culture that i feel like i can that we take away with us for a very long time and then i mean that's something that we share with generations um I think that's important for generations like on the continent or even just here in Hawaii to see that it's like, hey, we are a people that it's that don't bring us down. Sing a song. It, it'll help. So I have my uh, 
my ukulele has the Philippine flag. I actually got this when I was living in the Philippines, um, teaching. I was teaching and it's the best thing. It's the best thing. And post-typhoon, sing songs. Everyone wants to. <laughs> Gets people happy again. Um, but as for things that I want to learn more about our culture, um, definitely understanding the differences between the provinces and different islands. I think I just want to keep exploring as far as I can and knowing those traditions that are held so dearly and seeing the connections that span between each one. I mean, um, one example that I try my best to understand is I is within our like our own tattoo culture. In 2016, I went up to my mom basically said, if you want a tattoo, you have to get a traditional one, not knowing that Apu Fongud exists, the 100 year old uh, tattoo artist in Kalinga, not knowing that she existed. I did all the research and I was like, bet I'm gonna go and do it. So I went up to Kalinga, I got I got this from her back in 2016. And then from that opened up doorways where I met um, Kuya Lane Wilkin, who's a professor out in um, and the leading expert on traditional Filipino tattooing in out of, he's based out of Vegas, he gave me my symbol on my chest, meeting other practitioners surrounding the Philippines, but being blessed within partaking in each ceremony from different practitioners and seeing the similarities of all of the techniques and traditions, but also respecting the differences as well. So I think that's one aspect of our culture that I want to keep exploring is not just within tattooing, but within food, within language, within music, like seeing where the differences, respecting the differences, but understanding the similarities as well. Sorry, was that? Hopefully that wasn't too heavy. <laughs> no, it wasn't too heavy at all. Um, I think, and it's it's part of like listening, really actively listening to her insights, because I feel like we hold so much in holding part of your identity that someone who may still be trying to figure out like where do I start. And where do I go from? And I think you actually you really put it in a really good perspective. Like you can start wherever you felt most drawn to. If you're connected through music, through language, through food, through um, and you brought it up multiple times in the interview is really just the aspect of just talking stories, just being in community that really draws me in. And I feel like as Filipino people, we are such hospitable, we're such a, um, I would say very vibrant in community. Like we know how to take in others and to make them our, essentially our family. Oh yeah, it's completely agree. I think everywhere I've traveled in the Philippines, I've made I've, I've expanded my my family so much every time I go back that it's to the point where I'm introducing my parents to so many people. I'm like, yeah, this is a cousin. It's a very distant cousin. <laughs> or like meeting just, yeah. Those are, and then even finding out sometimes that people are distantly related. Um, but then being, we are, uh, come on in, have a seat. Let's sing you a song. Let's, let's have, let's share a food. Let's share some food. Like it's, keeping that hospitality, which I think is so similar to, to like Hawaiian culture in the sense that I think that's just being part of an island nation is that when you have archipelagos, they, you're all about sharing. You're all about, Hey, welcome in, have a seat. As long as I, and with the idea that maybe someday I'll come to your place and I can have a seat there. Ah, and something, the really crucial part that you bring up is like, here in Hawaii, you really feel that spirit. And I feel like that's why a lot of Filipinos really feel um, welcome here in Hawaii, most especially is we have so many similar shared values. We may not, we may, we may, we may not speak the same, but our language, some words are similar, our values similar, but we are all distinct cousins. Um, what goes to say that, and crediting to uh, one of uh, a really great family that I 
was able to meet um at the Onipaa March last year. Um, and I to this day, and I want to share this. Um, one thing he told me is, we're all brothers and sisters in the same canoe, the same va'a. Um, we're all rowing together. Um, we may not all be similar, the same. Like we're Filipinos, Hawaiians, Tongans, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end of the day, we're we're brothers and sisters. We're in a canoe. We're rowing. We're fighting the same battles. We're helping each other. And I think that's so important to to continue each day. Oh, totally. And to see, yeah, to respect our similarities versus our differences. And there's a good, there's a solid proverb I heard from a friend a while back that was, um, we're connected by water, but the people want to separate us by land. Essentially, or in <sighs> other words, it's true. The Pacific connects all of us. And at one point we were all in the same canoe going back and forth that we yeah, whether it's Tongan, Samoan, Hawaiian, Filipino, within all of that, we were all in the same water. We're all in the same Pacific. And we we separate. It's so I feel like it's such a colonial idea to separate yourself through land. Whereas in reality, yeah, we are connected through water. I will forever write that down. That's something that's very... Um, that's really something important like to remember because you were right like and the largest the largest ocean is the pacific ocean yeah but yet we are so connected like our cultural values we i mean there's a <laughs> there's a whole story of like um um birds that were carrying seeds back and forth and some people believe that like, oh, we're grown from those seeds. We were all similar. We came from one big tree in the Pacific and they just, the seed went everywhere. Like we were just all, in all parts. That the bird carried us. We we're just, <laughs> we're still all connected from one area. It's just the biggest thing I can think of that we all come from somewhere and we're just really distant cousins. <laughs> We surely are, and you know what? I just realized that, like, if anything is happening, it with any one of our siblings, we feel it. We have this sense of connection. Oh, totally, and yeah, that's where we were going back on where it said Filipino. It is to be Filipino to bring someone in to make them part of your family. I mean, in similar ways to Hawaiian culture, we say kuya to to be respectful. We say kuya ate to people we don't even know. I've called people kuya that I don't even know their first name. And I'm like, all right, cool. You're my older brother. You're my kuya in this situation. Whereas here, yeah, I could see people, oikos, ebra. Like, it's still respecting, calling everyone auntie, uncle. Like, everyone is family. Not by blood, but we're still all family. We're connected. It's that, hey, you're feeling something. I'm going to feel it too. I'm going to, I'm going to stand with you. We do have a couple minutes left, and I do want to okay. end off this podcast. So I, I can say that we can go on. <laughs> I'm like, we only have limited time. Understood, understood. <laughs> and like I said, hey, it's it's trying to take everything about our, it's trying to take one person and put it into one, in a small period of time. It's like, <laughs> stories are long. That's why there's chapter books. You're definitely right. This could be like their autobiography right there, but it has right? to be like, <laughs> oh totally understand hey bring it home I, i'm happy to be on this end happy happy to yes. just talk um where are we going with this okay so to transition on um and it will kind of reel, reel all back with what we talked about um my 100 million dollar question <sighs> is what does it mean for you to reclaim your Filipino identity as a mixed heritage? <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, and honestly, I feel like it really, yeah, that really does wrap up everything we were kind of saying. Um, to reclaim that, to sum it all up, I, I choose to live my life with one with a positive outlook. To look at it with one that is without fear, that is hospitable, that is happy to 
sing a song and talk story to strangers and just prioritizing hospitality and sharing in those senses and to look at life with optimism. So especially for future, for my, de for my own descendants to create that legacy of we are a fearless, hospitable, happy people. And that no matter where we are in the world, you can trace back your ancestry and you come from a place that will always have your back. I think it really sums up this part, your part, your story with and I feel like with everything that I'm learning from you and continuing to learn from you is I feel like that's what you continue to embody each day um, is you go out living your best self, whether it is taking that risk to really rediscover who you are and who your ancestors called you to be. You're, you're so you're too kind. My goodness, you're making me blush. Stop it. <laughs> Come on. Um. <laughs> That's, um, I really appreciate that. And again, I it is such an honor that you to be even considered in this to be to give voice in this space. Uh, to even just be considered for it and to share this message as well. To just be able to share my own perspective and hopefully inspires other. She saw a mixed Filipinos who are in a place where they who are in can't quite find the gray area yet. That it's possible, it's there. You just have to ride the wave, you have to let it take you, trust the ocean, it'll put you in the right spot. I feel like whoever is uh, who is listening to this podcast. Oh, we'll take in something that you will reflect on because in a world that we live in now that's filled with so many misinformation with with so many noise um it's uh, it's been a lot harder to really find that kind of key component like really what makes me myself so happy to hear that and with that said, um, to end off the recording, I wanted to ask, what would you like to share podcasts? What, what would I like to share? Yes, like anything that you're doing, anything that we can support you on, um, oh, any current projects. No. <laughs> yes. Um, so big things so big thing when we were talking about this year and big things that i've um for this chapter of my life and talking about future generations i met someone very very special this past year and she has been absolutely amazing she's kanakamaoli mixed heritage as well and lives here in hilo hawaii she actually is just getting her brand off the ground i'm trying my best to help that so all of the all of my Hawaiian listeners, all of the people that are out there that are looking for a solid local brand, check out Nanea Designs on Instagram. That's N E A N E A. No, N E N E A. She's letting the dyslexic boyfriend try to describe this, and it's very difficult. Um, but no, check them out. It's we've been trying to get the brand off the ground. She's actually currently in Manila right now. I'm very envious that I cannot be there right now because she just. Eight, she's eating all the foods I love in Manila. Um, but she's there right now with the manufacturers who are all free labor um, manufacturers and workers in Manila. So it's product produced in the Philippines, but Hawaiian designs. That is so amazing. I did, I did kind of look, look over it um, over the past weeks, has been supporting it. So Thank for anyone so listening out there, um check out um the new designs i will be putting it in the descriptions below and with the podcast itself um without further said and do thank you again jonah for bravely sharing your story to us 
to our fellow Kasaman, to our fellow Katatuban. Um, I look forward to many more opportunities to do a lot of collaboration with you, with our community, especially in Hilo. Oh, 100%. And you always have a place to eat here in Hilo. Like, you, you, always, have someone, <laughs> uh, you always have someone who's going to have your back in Hilo. So if you ever want to just get coffee and talk story, I would more than more than grateful to do that to do such and again yeah. for inviting me on this podcast of course thank you so much okay. bye now. <laughs> there we see